I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together we can prepare to live outside the walls. Oh, well, thank you for joining me today. Uh, it's a it's a new day. <laughs> my, my wife and I and my family have all moved down to Texas. So uh, you could say that the eyes of Texas are upon you. Wherever you're listening, uh, I hope that you get a sense of my joy at being back in, in the land of my raising. Uh, I was, of course... Uh, I wasn't born in Texas, right? I was born in Kentucky when my dad was at seminary. But my dad, my dad was born in Texas, and so uh, I was just born expatriate, right? So <laughs> I consider myself a native Texan. Nonetheless, I, I got here when I was uh, ten months old, and then was here all the way until uh, until I graduated from high school, and I've been back a couple times, and I'm glad to be back again uh, here in the land of my raising. Later in the show, we're going to be talking with a couple of friends of mine. This is the first time that we've done a dual interview where we've had uh, two people in the studio at the same time. Uh, We're going to be talking with a husband and wife, some friends of mine who are in town uh, for their confirmation. Uh, They are coming into full communion with the Catholic Church. Both of them have been through seminary in the Southern Baptist denomination and have been serving overseas in China uh, for some time. And so... Uh, they've done their, their RCIA, their preparation over, uh, over internet, over Skype, uh, over the last year and have come to a place now where they're going to be confirmed. Uh, and we're just very excited about it. And we're going to be talking about their story and the story of how they came to this place. But as always, let's go ahead and start off in prayer, in scripture, and in a reading from church history. Let us all praise Christ in order to become our faithful and merciful high priest before the Father's throne, he chose to become one of us, a brother in all things. In prayer, we ask of him, Lord, share with us the treasure of your love. Son of justice, you filled us with light at our baptism. We dedicate our days to you. At every hour of the day, we give you glory. In all our deeds, we offer you praise. Mary, your mother, was obedient to your word. Direct our lives in accordance with that word. Our lives are surrounded with passing things. Set our hearts on the things of heaven, so that through faith, hope, and charity, we may come to enjoy the vision of your glory. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, free us from the dark night of death. Let the light of resurrection dawn within our hearts to bring us to the radiance of eternal life. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Today's first reading comes from the book of Romans, chapter 8. This is actually a verse, a a passage, a chapter, that when we were children, um, both my brothers and I and my parents memorized this whole passage. And I want to encourage you. Remember that St. Jerome says, ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. 
I want to encourage you to, to learn the scripture, to, to not just hear it, which is exceptionally important, but memorize it. Uh, how did Jesus overcome the temptation in the desert? He knew the scriptures and he quoted the scriptures and scriptures were a part of who he was. Uh, he says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. He knew that. He had appropriated the scriptures. In fact, in Psalm 119.11, it says, I have laid up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, right? And so that's one of the ways that we can can avoid sin is by by holding the word of God in our heart, keeping it close to us. So that, that's, a, that's a separate thing. I, the, this first reading brought it up to me because it's Romans 8, 1, 11, and that's one of the, the passages that I appropriated and memorized as a child. Uh, and so I encourage you to do the same kind of thing. So here we have Romans, our first reading, Romans 8, 1 through 11. Brothers and sisters, now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has freed you from the law of sin and death. For what the law, weakened by the flesh, was powerless to do, this God has done. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for the sake of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, so that the righteous decree of the law might be fulfilled in us, who live not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh are concerned with the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit with the things of the Spirit. The concern of the flesh is death, but concern of the Spirit is life and peace. For the concern of the flesh is hostility toward God. It does not submit to the law of God, nor can it. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh. On the contrary, you are in the Spirit, if only the Spirit of God dwells in you. Whoever does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. If the Spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, the one who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also, through his Spirit, that dwells in you. That reading comes from the book of Romans, chapter 8. Today's responsorial psalm comes from Psalm 24. Lord, this is the people that longs to see your face. The Lord's are the earth and its fullness, the world and those who dwell in it, for he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Lord, this is the people that longs to see your face. Who can ascend the mountain of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place? He whose hands are sinless, whose heart is clean, who desires not what is vain. Lord, this is the people that longs to see your face. He shall receive a blessing from the Lord, a reward from God his Savior. Such is the race that seeks for him, that seeks the face of the God of Jacob. Lord, this is the people that longs to see your face. Today's gospel comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13. Some people told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with the blood of their sacrifices. He said to them in reply, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were greater sinners than all the other Galileans? By no means. 
But I tell you, if you do not repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 people who were killed when the Tower of Salome fell on them. Do you think that they were more guilty than everyone else who lived in Jerusalem? By no means. But I tell you, if you do not repent, you will all perish as they did. And then he told them this parable. There once was a person who had a fig tree planted in his orchard. And when he came in search of fruit on it, but found none, he said to the gardener, For three years now I have come in search of fruit on this fig tree, but have found none, so cut it down. Why should it exhaust the soil? He said to him in reply, Sir, leave it for this year also, and I shall cultivate the ground around it and fertilize it. It may bear fruit in the future. If not, you can cut it down. That gospel comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13. Today's reading from Church History comes from a sermon by St. Peter Chrysologus. Now, we've done a, a reading from him before uh, around Christmas time. And if you recall, St. Peter Chrysologus is a, was a bishop. He's a doctor of the church uh, and just is known for his beautiful homilies. Chrysologus, of course, means golden worded. Uh, and so here is a homily on the word, the wisdom of God was made flesh by St. Peter Chrysologus. The Holy Apostle has told us that the human race takes its origin from two men, Adam and Christ, two men equal in body but unequal in merit, wholly alike in their physical structure but totally unlike in the very origin of their being. The first man, Adam, he says, became a living soul, the last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The first Adam was made by the last Adam, from whom he also received his soul to give him life. The last Adam was formed by his own action. He did not have to wait for life to be given him by someone else, but was the only one who could give life at all. The first Adam was formed from valueless clay. The second Adam came forth from the precious womb of the virgin. In the case of the first Adam, earth was changed into flesh. In the case of the second Adam, flesh was raised up to be God. What more need be said? The second Adam stamped his image on the first Adam when he created him. That is why he took on himself the role and the name of the first Adam, in order that he might not lose what he had made in his own image. The first Adam the last Adam. The first had a beginning, the last knows no end. The last Adam is indeed the first, as he himself says, I am the first and the last. I am the first, that is, I have no beginning. I am the last, that is, I have no end. But what was spiritual, says the apostle, did not come first. What was living came first. Then what is spiritual? The earth comes before its fruit, but the earth is not so valuable as its fruit. The earth exacts pain and toil. Its fruit bestows sustenance and life. The prophet rightly boasted of this fruit. Our earth has yielded its fruit. What is this fruit? The fruit referred to in another place. I will place upon your throne one who is the fruit of your body. The first man, says the apostle, was made from the earth and belongs to the earth. 
The second man is from heaven and belongs to heaven. The man made from the earth is the pattern of those who belong to the earth. The man from heaven is the pattern of those who belong to heaven. How is it that these last, though they do not belong to heaven by birth, will yet belong to heaven? Men who do not remain what they were by birth, but persevere in being what they have become by rebirth. The reason is, brethren, that the heavenly spirit, by the mysterious infusion of his light, gives fertility to the womb of the virginal font. The spirit brings forth as men belonging to heaven those whose earthly ancestry brought them forth as men belonging to the earth. And in a condition of wretchedness, he gives them the likeness of their creator. Now that we are reborn, refashioned in the image of our creator, we must fulfill what the apostle commands. So as we have worn the likeness of the man on earth, let us also wear the likeness of the man of heaven. Now that we are reborn, as I have said, in the likeness of our Lord, and have indeed been adopted by God as his children, let us put on the complete image of our Creator, so as to be wholly like him, not in the glory that he alone possesses, but in innocence, simplicity, gentleness, patience, humility, mercy, harmony, those qualities in which he chose to become and to be one with us. That reading comes from St. Peter Chrysologus, doctor of the church. He lived around the late 4th and early 5th centuries, uh, and just beautiful, beautiful homilies. Uh, he was known for some time, maybe still, as the, the doctor of homilies, and uh, was given the name Chrysologus because of his eloquence. Chrysologus, of course, meaning the golden-worded. Well, when we come back, we're going to be talking with some friends of mine, uh, Jonathan and Becky, about their journey into the Catholic Church. They've been serving over in China for uh, several years as teachers. Uh, both of them have seminary degrees from Southern Baptist denomination. And uh, now they're coming into full communion with the Catholic Church. It's going to be a fascinating interview. You're not going to want to miss it. Join us on Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. And on Twitter, the handle is at Outside the Walls. Stick around. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Welcome back to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Oh, thanks for sticking to the break. We have really, we really do. We've got a great show for you today. Uh, I have some friends in studio. Uh, they currently live, well, I mean, you know, not currently, but because they're currently here in the studio. Uh, but they are have been living and working in China. Uh, and this week are coming into the church, into full communion. Uh, and so we're going to talk a little bit about their story. Uh, and just, Jonathan, Becky, thank you for being here today. Uh, thank you for having us. We're happy to be here. So uh, I just want to give you the opportunity to tell a little bit of your story because this is quite a journey of how you went from uh, growing up in the South in the, the Southern Baptist Church, going to seminary, both of you, you met in seminary, uh, in South Carolina, is that right? North Carolina. North, well, one of the Carolinas. Yeah. I've got Carolina on my mind. Uh, <laughs> and so, It's better than Georgia on your mind. 
She's from Georgia. Sorry, She's, Tammy. Georgia's always on my mind. Georgia's always on your mind. So you met in seminary in, in North Carolina at Southern Baptist Seminary. You both got a Master of Divinity. Uh, and so you've spent time thinking about theology, thinking about uh, the deep things of God and contemplating on these things. Uh, and then you, you, you go away. You move to China. You, you take some time in service uh, to the community. And, and really, you know, a lot of people, they go over there uh, to do missions work, but you really went there to serve the people and to teach English in a, in a university setting uh, and to really kind of be there for the people. Uh, and and here you are in the midst of everything going on in China, and uh, something happens. Maybe maybe a small something, but something happens to get you to begin to consider the Catholic faith. That's not the kind of thing specifically for a seminary-educated person. It's not the kind of thing that is a flip of a switch or anything that happens overnight. And so I, I just wanted to start, and either one of you can start talking. You can talk over one another, however we want to do this. I just want to have a conversation. What was uh, the first thing that maybe gave you pause and made you start to look in a different direction? Uh, I think for myself, it really began, I think for both of us actually, it began before we ever got to China. Um, so just wrapping up our time in North Carolina um, I know for me specifically, I was leading a Bible study on the book of James, and I realized that when I started talking about faith and works, I got really nervous hmm. um, because I was leading this Bible study uh, for some uh, lay women of the church, and here I was, you know, finishing up seminary, about to graduate with a degree, and I was really afraid of them asking questions about how do we look at faith and works and how do those as you know, we're Southern Baptists, how do we see that and how do they work together? And I remember getting really nervous and almost just wanting to skip over those parts so maybe they wouldn't notice and they wouldn't ask a question. And so that really started it for me. It sounds really simple, um, but just to really say, where did it start for me? I would say I have to say there. Um, and that's where I really started looking into things. It's not so much that I immediately jumped to, let me study Catholicism, but it right. was, wait a minute, I don't know how to answer this how I should answer it as a, as a Protestant, as a Southern Baptist, what does that mean for me? And what should I study and look for next? And that's when I went to Jonathan um, and, and talked to him about it, saying, I'm struggling with this. So that was for me. Uh, <clears throat> for me, it was a little, probably a little bit earlier. Uh, my friend and I were actually uh, having a conversation at Barnes & Noble and just expressed some concerns that I had uh, with the church and just with Southern Baptist churches and, and Protestant churches in general and, and just how it didn't seem to be unified. And it was a concern of mine. I was reading through John 17 and mm -hmm. just really concerned me that, you know, Christ prayed over the unity of the church. That's what he wanted. That's what he desired. And really just seeing a part of the church, the Southern Baptist church that I was a part of and still am at this moment, uh, won't be Sunday, but right. am right now. And just really seeing how, how much disunity that it was within the church and that really bothered me and so that kind of got me thinking about it and that conversation with my friend and he had been thinking some of the same things and he was at the time a few steps ahead of me and had started reading some uh, orthodox stuff some catholic stuff and so he just suggested a few books uh, to me and so I started reading those and really just kind of went into it with an open mind, open heart, hoping to learn and just kind of being open to what God was trying to show me through that. 
you know, if you're, if you're anything like me on my journey, uh, there was really a sense of, uh, just wanting to find the truth, wanting to find the, the answer to the one question, right? Okay. And that question then leads to another question. And there's something about us that recognizes it's a different thing to become a Catholic than it is to become uh, a Presbyterian or a Methodist or a Baptist and switch denominations, that there's something uh, a little bit more weighty. Uh, I remember my, my parents said, well, you know, why don't you, why don't you try Anglicanism? Why don't you try this other? Uh, why don't you give it any of these a shot? And, and I remember for me, it was a matter of, um, I'm looking for very specific things that I can't find anywhere else. If I could find it somewhere else, uh, then I would go there. And I actually told my parents, show me where you can find this uh, and I'll consider it. But right now, what I'm looking for, the only place I'm finding it is in the Catholic Church. And so not, not that you're, you're going out looking for the Catholic Church to answer these questions. Rather, you're going with the questions and, and I'm assuming based on the fact that you're here now after all this this time journeying, that this is where you found that answer as well. Exactly, and I think some of the questions weren't uh, things that could be just changed by going to a different denomination. It wasn't, do we think you know our child should be baptized as a baby or mm-hmm. should be later? It was uh, more fundamental issues. Some of the pillars of the Protestant faith, not just a specific Southern Baptist or maybe a Methodist or Presbyterian. It was really some of those pillars mm-hmm. um, that we really started having questions with about, you know, faith alone and scripture alone. Where does authority and uh, where does tradition play a part? Um, and so there's a little, those are a little bit bigger than some of those other issues where you could just maybe swap within the Protestant denominations. But it's, you're right, there's something outside of that that we mm-hmm. weren't really finding the answers we were looking for. So you had this this experience, you had this this fear about the questions coming up in the book of James uh, in that Bible study. And so that that drove you to look for the answers. What what did that journey look like for you? It was very slow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I definitely I think as I started realizing cuz as Jonathan was doing his study, he quickly realized that w- we're going to have to look at the Catholic faith a lot more than we realized. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're going to have to really start to research those things. And at first it wasn't a problem because even in, even in seminary, we realized that the Catholics had a lot of things that we agreed on Mm -hmm. uh, more so than I think maybe the average lay person realizes and not because they don't, you know, they don't get it or they're not smart enough. They just haven't been around to learn about what the Catholics really believe and in seminary, we got to see some of that. And so it wasn't, I wasn't put off by, okay, well, I guess we will have to look at the, you know, the Catholic church. And we even visited Catholic churches and went and sat in on the mass. That wasn't a problem. Um, but it's, so it's almost at the beginning, I was okay with it. But then as I progressed more and more in the study and the learning, that's where for me, I started to push back and I got scared because I thought, oh no, I can see where this is going. And that scares <laughs> me. It's not just now, I'm not just learning about the Catholic faith. But I see that we might really go that direction. And I started to push back. Mm-hmm. But I know for Jonathan, he, you know, pressed on and really kept studying and kept reading and just kept being encouraged mm-hmm. by what he was reading. So tell us a little bit about that, uh, Jonathan, about that study that you you were engaging in at that time. Yeah, so I guess as most Southern Baptists come into 
come into studying the Catholic Church, you have those those questions. You know, everybody always brings up, well, the Catholics have this weird view of Mary. Like, they worship Mary. That, that's what I hear all the time. I still hear it all the time. They worship Mary. Uh, you also have, like, purgatory. Where does the Bible talk about purgatory? And so, you know, everybody questions that. Everybody talks about the the extra books of the Bible that the Catholics have. And For those who aren't here, those were beautiful little air quotes. Air quotes, quotes. Yeah, exactly. Good air quotes. Um, and so, you know, you have these things, and in, in growing up Southern Baptist, being trained Southern Baptist, going to a Southern Baptist seminary, I too was trained to question those things. And so at the beginning, that was a problem. Those were issues that I had to work through. And, you know, for me, purgatory wasn't a, wasn't a huge issue. I, I, I read the catechism. I read the scriptures. And I was like, oh, okay, I, I, can, I can see an answer to that. that. That's not a problem to me. Um, other things as well. The big one was just the importance of Mary. Uh, that, that was a big one for me. Um, and just seeing, seeing her as the mother of Christ, seeing her as the mother of the Son of God. And, you know, that, that does play a special role. And sometimes I feel like Protestants kind of overlook that and they don't see Mary for who she is. And they just really, maybe because Catholics do see her in a special light and Protestants want to be so different than that, you know, they don't really show her any importance. Right. And except for Christmas, right? Except for Christmas. <laughs> and, then, and then all, all that, you know, Mary, did you know? And it's like, yes, she did. Quit asking. Exactly, yeah. Right. <laughs> so uh, l- let's talk a little bit about the people on your journey, because every journey, uh, you don't just get to the Catholic Church by reading. You don't just get, I mean, r- reason gets us so far, but relationship really plays a big part in how we become Catholic. So for me, it was my cousin who was a priest, uh, and I would go to him and I would ask those antagonistic questions about, well, what about Mary and what about purg- prayer to the saints in purgatory? And he would have an answer for that, and it would uh, it would make sense to me uh, what he was trying, what, what the Catholic faith was trying to say in those doctrines, where on my own it didn't make sense. So when we come back from this break, uh, I want to hear a little bit about the people who were influential in your journey over the last several years that have helped maybe draw you into the beauty of the Catholic faith a little bit more. I want to know what you have to think. Uh, tell me if you had a journey into the Catholic faith as well. Uh, I want to know what your story sounded like. Why don't you pop on over to facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Twitter. The handle is at outside the walls. You're going to give that the hashtag hashtag my faith journey. Uh, We're going to give something away a little bit later uh, for all the people who who go ahead and give us their story. Well, when we come back from the break, we are going to be talking about the people who make a difference in our journey into the Catholic faith. Going to talk a little bit about who made a difference in my journey and a little bit about who made a difference in the journey of our guests today. You're going to want to stick around. There's a lot more to come. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. (laughs) 
Welcome back to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Thanks for sticking through the break. We're talking today with Jonathan and Becky, some friends of mine who have been for the last several years serving the people of China. And now this week are coming into full communion with the Catholic Church. Of course, both of them seminary educated in the Southern Baptist denomination and have found their way now into union with Rome places. Uh, you know, for me, it, it it took maybe two years before it sounded weird internally to say, I'm Catholic. And, and you know, I fully embraced the church, loved the church, everything about it. But there was this like visceral switch in the back of my head that knew that you're not supposed to say that out loud. And it's like, I'm Catholic. Oh, wow. That's no, no, no. It's good. It's a good thing. I'm, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, prepare for that. Right. But right before the break, we were talking about the people who are influential in our journey because it's more than just uh, reading the fathers, right? It's more than just studying the theology. Uh, we're brought into the church in relationship. I mean, God created us for relationship. And, and so he uses people to help us along our journey. So talk to me, Jonathan, just a little bit about the people who are influential for you in your journey. Yeah, so... I started this journey a little bit earlier than Becky did, uh, seriously looking into Catholicism, mainly because my friend and I were doing it together. So from the very beginning, uh, my friend Josh and I were kind of doing this together. Uh, he recommended a book by Devin Rose, uh, If Protestantism is True, which is now he has like the new revised edition, right. which is uh, The Protestant Dilemma, which I haven't read yet. But it's good. I read If Protestantism is True, and it began to make... Uh, some very good points, and and Devin did a really good job of being able to explain the Catholic faith. And Devin too a convert, so I I related with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so not only did I read the book, but then uh, Josh, uh, my friend, had actually befriended him on Facebook and said, "Hey, if you have questions, you know, after you read the book and and things like that, then Facebook him, message him, and he'll get back with you." And I was like, but he doesn't know me. You know, <laughs> this is weird. Like I'm writing something. So, you know, I'm writing Devin. I'm like asking him questions or whatever. And literally, I think it was within 24 hours, Devin had written me back. And so when we talk about first impressions, that was huge because, you know, here I was uh, a Baptist who just written somebody who was Catholic and asked them a list full of questions and Devin within a timely manner had responded to me. It wasn't weeks. It wasn't a month. I mean, you know, within hours, you know, within a day, he had written back to me. So Devin was definitely probably, um, beside my friend Josh, the first influential uh, figure uh, in in my journey to the Catholic faith. Continued on uh, growing in the faith, uh, was introduced to uh, Taylor Marshall through his podcast, um, his blog, uh, my wife and I, Becky here, we love Taylor Marshall, uh, in China. This really great, great catchphrase at the end where he says, go out there and be salty. And then his fun music plays at the end. Well, that's like my favorite part. And if Jonathan there ends it early, I yeah, guess she so gets mad. mad at me. Uh, <laughs> it's like 10 or 15 minutes, you know, I mean, not minutes, but like 10 or 15 seconds right there at the end, you know? And so Taylor is finished. He's finished talking, you know, and so I'm done. With all it the meat of it's done, right? Exactly. Yeah. You know, I've gotten all of the all of the meat, but if I turn it off early, she gets really upset. 
uh, because she likes that part. You've got to have the resolution, right? It's, it's, exactly. Building it's up. a, it's a good catchphrase for her. And so um, Dr. Marshall has really been influential for us being in China because mm-hmm. uh, for most people that know the situation there, we don't get to attend church like people here. They take it for granted, you right. know, because you get to go to church every Sunday. Oh, we have to go to church. But, you know, in China, there's laws and stipulations to where it's really hard for us. Uh, to be able to attend church on a regular basis. And so um, listening to Dr. Marshall's podcasts and reading his blogs, his emails and things like that has in some ways kept us in that community. Uh, So to go along with Devin and then Dr. Marshall and then, of course, uh, you and Kristen as well, whom we met through some mutual friends that are also uh, serving in China. And Mm -hmm. so um, you guys have been very influential for us. We went through... Uh, a very difficult time, and I'll let Becky talk more on that and how uh, you guys influenced us as as a family and as married couple. Isn't technology wonderful? It is. I mean, it? you know, th- think about just, uh, let's say, 20 years ago, if you were overseas, you would be overseas and really expensive phone calls by and lots of letters and yeah. by yourself. It was like, well, we have Skype and we have, uh, you know, we can we can have video chats uh, all we have to do is figure out the time change, right? And it really is a different world of which we live in for for missionaries mm-hmm. because we're able to do that. And so you still can live life in a sense of community. Whereas before, I don't know how much like letters and, you know, that long distance uh, communication really works into that community. You mm-hmm. almost have to find that local community. And China's a bit difficult for that. So Skyping and, and the Internet's been great for that. So Becky, let's talk a little bit about about your journey. Obviously, uh, you have uh, Jonathan, and, and the, the marriage relationship is one of those primary ones. We talk with our spouse about everything, and so I'm I'm sure that as he was interacting with people, one of the things we do as husband and wife is uh, to say, "Hey, I I just heard this amazing thing," and so you're kind of being subsumed into that as well and drawn along in that journey, uh, but you're also still individual. So tell me a little bit about the, the people who have been influential for you in this. Right. And, and you're right. Since we are married, really most of the people are all the same in a sense. Yeah. Uh, he kind of, you know, found these people out in these books first. And, and so I came along behind. He also had heard about the Hans, had written the mm-hmm. book Rome's Sweet Home. Uh, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was an easy read, but very intellectual at the same time. And so I really enjoyed uh, hearing their sides of the stories, both of them writing together, husband and wife, and their story of conversion. Um, so I read that book and loved it. Um, much later I read um, If Protestantism is True, uh, and so fell in love with that book as well. And mm-hmm. so a lot of these people, and listening to the podcast together, uh, Dr. Taylor Marshall's podcast, and um, doing some of the New St. Thomas Institute uh, lessons together, um, and then for, for you and Kristen as well, um, being in China, uh, our four years there have been a little rough in different instances. And, and one of those being the desire to have children and, and trying to have children and, and just for over a year and a half that not happening. And, uh, then we do get pregnant, but it ends up being an ectopic pregnancy and, uh, you're in a foreign country away from your family, away from your close friends. And that's just difficult. Yeah. Um, and in a country that doesn't really see that as a life and an important life right. uh, and we as Christians do mm-hmm. um, and so our friends uh, that were serving there as well our friends with you guys some mutual friends mm-hmm. of yours and Christians and so they uh, 
put us in touch with you. And you and your wife did something so sweet. And you sent us an email uh, with your words of kindness and wisdom and also um, other friends and parish members that had written about uh, loss of children uh, of any stage, whether that was ectopic or, or later on down the road with miscarriages. And, and it just really impressed upon our hearts just uh, the, the community aspect of living life together and that people so far away and who hadn't even met us before um, could care so much about us to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and our friends sent us this email that you had written and we just wept over it and we were just uh, so grateful for it. And it was such a moving time in our lives. And, and so we thought we need to write these people and tell them <laughs> thank you for you know going out of their way above and beyond for people they'd never met before just to share the love of Christ with and say, hey, other people have had to go through this. This is how we did it. These are some of the prayers that we said. You know, these are some verses that we held on to, um, and it was so encouraging for us. So by doing that, we were able to just write an email that, you know, saying thanks doesn't seem like it was enough, um, but just started us off on a friendship and on a journey with you guys of just you continuing to stay in touch with us and us being able to write you any questions as we were on this journey, um, just saying, wait, wait a minute, I don't understand this about the Catholic faith, or I don't understand this, or could you explain this more? We're having a question here, and, and we just started Skyping more and more, and uh, just really became um, foundational for our learning of the Catholic faith. Mm-hmm. You know, just to the loss of, of a child, um, Kristen and I, we, we had two losses, and we were amazed at the, the people who came forward and out of the woodwork when we faced that. Uh, and in the book of Revelation, it, it talks about the martyrs, and it says, they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And I think far too often we think that our stories are unimportant uh, or we think that, that our opinions are unimportant, and so we keep them to ourselves, and we don't engage in community. We, uh, we close ourselves in with a garage door. We stay inside with the air conditioning, and, and we, don't, we don't share our story with our community. And our story uh, has the power of redemption. Now, of course, Christ is the one who redeems us. It's not that our story is enough. Uh, the redeeming work of Christ is everything, but the way that that interacts with us, the way that we are the body of Christ in a very tangible way, the hands and the feet and the, 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 uh, the force uh, of what Christ is doing in the world today is done largely through community. And it's something I think that in our society we have uh, really neglected uh, and so it was, it was our pleasure to do that, just to uh, not only to encourage you in a very difficult time, but uh, just continuing on with our own healing and talking about that and recognizing that that, that life, yes, that life does matter, did matter, will matter. Uh, we're going to talk about this a little bit more. We've got a little bit more time after this break. Uh, I've decided we're actually going to give something away again this week. We're going to give away a copy of Devin Rose's book, The Protestant's Dilemma. So you're going to want to stick around for the next section. We're going to give you the criteria uh, by which we're going to give that away. Join this conversation over on Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. And on Twitter, the handle is at Outside the Walls. We want you to be a part of this conversation. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. We're talking today about the journey, the journey into the Catholic Church, the journey uh, accompanied by other people, the people on our, uh, our faith pilgrimage, as it were. Uh, we're talking with Jonathan and Becky, uh, whose last name is Being Withheld to Protect the Innocent, as they are uh, both working in China. Uh, and so tomorrow... You're coming into the Catholic Church. Uh, and so, uh, first thing I want to do is I want to uh, give away this book before we get too far into it. Uh, we're going to give away a copy of uh, Devin Rose's book, The Protestant's Dilemma. Uh, I think it's published by Catholic Answers Press. Uh, great book. I've given away several copies, and we're going to give away a copy to you. So, what you need to do to me. No, no, you can. <laughs> Devin's a good friend. You, you could just give I know, him a I should call, email right? him. Yeah. Well, I'm going to tag him on social oh, okay. media oh, that's in the podcast. Better. So that's he'll know that we've talked okay. about him, Devin. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Devin Rose. Uh, <laughs> Poor Devin. <laughs> we, haven't even, we haven't even met this guy right. in real life. So, <laughs> so what we're going to do here to give this away is uh, we're going to give it away to, to a random person who tweets or gives us a status with hashtag my faith journey and tell us someone who's been influential in your faith journey and maybe give us uh, a few characters about what's meant so much to you about their involvement in your journey of faith. Now this is available to you whether you're a convert uh, or whether you are a cradle Catholic uh, because you too have a faith journey. uh, How you came to a place where faith meant enough to you that you're listening to this show, right? Uh, And so tell us about your faith journey. So uh, that's what you're going to do. Leave me a status, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. We're on Twitter. The handle is at outside the walls with the hashtag my faith journey. We'll take all of those people who give us a status and a tweet, and we will draw from them and give you a copy of Devin Rose's book, The Protestant's Dilemma. Okay, so now let's come back over to you, Jonathan and Becky. We talked earlier about the first thing, the first little question that made you begin to look at uh, Catholicism a little bit more seriously. Now my question is this. Uh, there's always a first step, but there's also always a, a point of no return. What was the point for you at, at which you said, I can no longer be anything but Catholic. I, I need to be Catholic because of this. Well, for me, a little bit earlier than Becky, but it really became the point of which I no longer had those issues that always came up. So through prayer, through study, uh, I seemed to get the the answers. The Spirit seemed to answer those for me uh, through the Spirit and, and study and prayer and things. So all of the problems or all of the issues that seemed to arise earlier on we're no longer there. And so at the point that you ha- no longer have any issues and it becomes the best answer, then the question always becomes, well, why not? You know? And so for me at that point, I was, I always joked with Becky and I said, well, I'm basically a practicing Catholic without being Catholic because we were doing a lot of the Catholic things. We were reading the daily readings together. We were doing a lot of the prayers I was even saying the rosary, you know, and some of those things. And so I was, 
I was basically doing a lot of the things of being Catholic without officially being Catholic. So like all the Catholic guilt without the, the joy and the graces of absolution. I right. Yeah. All, all, I guess the, so. Yeah. All, all the prayers and the, and the practices without the graces of the Eucharist. And you know, finally, it's yeah, like, well, you know I, I mean, all of, all of the things that we could do because right. we weren't able to do some of the other. And, and really that, I mean, that, that hurts. Like when you really begin to think about it and you're like, well, we sh- I should be Catholic. And then you go to mass, but you can't partake of the Eucharist. Right. And that hurts. Yeah. Like that hurts because everyone else kind of is able to do that. And then you're just sitting there and in good conscience, you can't partake like, and you're waiting, mm-hmm. but you want that day to be here sooner rather than later. Oh man. Every time that prayer came around, uh, prayer came around, it's like, uh, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. So say the word, right? Yeah. So Becky, what about you? Uh, for me, it's been a little more difficult um, because I, I was the one pushing back a little bit there, kind of in the middle. The beginning, I was okay. Like, yes, let's learn. This is great. Learning about another, you know, faith, that would be awesome. And then when I saw that it was becoming real for both of us, especially Jonathan. She thought I was joking. And that's what's joking, but just thought it would be, let's learn, but we weren't actually going to become Catholic. Right. When I realized it was we were real. We are going to be Southern Baptist I, Catholic. I realized, oh, goodness, I pushed away. And, but then I started realizing, no, what he's saying is making sense. The stuff he's learning and then telling me is making sense. And so it took me a little bit longer to get to where, yes, I can do this. Uh, because it was the same, same ways. A lot of the, the questions were being answered. Mm-hmm. A lot of the things with the Eucharist and uh, those things in the baptism of infants and, and those things I started to really agree with. And I, what was I, I can't go back, right. you know, those things you can't go back. And while I may not have all questions of every area answered, um, I know enough and I'm certain on enough that I, I can't go back and I'm loving what's ahead and, and what the Catholic faith has taught me, uh, the way that it has grown both of us. Um, and I'm seeing now that there's no other place to be, but in the Catholic church. And that's where I'm finding my peace and my joy. Um, and so we're looking forward to taking this next step. Mm-hmm. And, and next time we talk to you, of course, uh, if we are able to have you back on the show, either uh, through Skype interview or next time you're back in the States, uh, you'll be Catholic and you'll have a, a whole different perspective, a whole new journey, a whole a whole new bit of excitement to talk about. And uh, just very excited for you. Uh, glad that you were able to come here and be a part uh, of the show. Glad that you are here for confirmation again uh, tomorrow. Well, if this show has been uh, influential, if, if there was something that you missed, if there was someone else that you want to hear this show, all of our archives are up at OutsideTheWalls.com, uh, and you can hear it again. Well, Outside the Walls is a co-production of St. Michael Radio and Breadbox Media, heard around the world on terrestrial radio, live streaming, and podcast. Join us next week for another great show. Until then, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.